right, welcome everybody to another episode of Marley Python Radio. Uh, Eric has left us using the wilds of Texas with Rob Stone, Justin Julander, uh, I believe Phil Wolf, and um, oh my god, why can't I remember his name? Justin, yeah, Justin, what the hell is wrong with me? Anyway, so they're all out there uh, slowly killing me with their herping pictures, and they know they're doing it. Um, so we decided to have a uh, corner where the three of us who didn't get to go to Texas whine, and then this way you guys can have a uh, episode, which we'll have to wait for Eric to get back to edit. Shit. All right. Um, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> But we'll do that now. But anyways, welcome, everybody. Uh, if you have any questions, please toss them into the chat. Uh, Riley and I, Riley, Lucas and I will be happy to answer them. And, Present. Uh, Brett, good voice. <laughs> um, I, I'm here with both the interns once again. Uh, today, guys, we're just going to talk about what's going on with the collections, all three of ours, because there's definitely some weird random shit happening, because this, this is the time of year when shit starts getting a little crazy. Um, first off... You know, I, I'm starting to feed babies that have hatched in 2021, and also we still have more eggs that are hatching. Um, Lucas, there's a there's a wolf creature near you. <laughs> <laughs> I usually don't let him in the room when we're. Where the hell did this but... wolf come from? <laughs> you know, I didn't know we were bringing our wolves with us. I'll get mine. So, um, <laughs> but no, it's cool. So, uh, you know, obviously. Riley's got some baby carpets. I've got some baby carpets. Lucas is staring down the barrel of two extremely three. Okay, three. (laughs) Jesus, three extremely gravid bread lie. Help me. Um, (laughs) No, no, my friend. These are self-inflicted wounds. You did this to yourself. (laughs) So, um, and I wanted. Eric just said, Lucas, don't let him boss you around. He's not here to stop me, and he he can't. He has he has no power. He's in the middle of Texas. Go to hell. Yes, sir. Um, yes, yeah, sir. That, good. That's good boy. <laughs> Justin, you wait a minute. You're Justin Julander is here, but he's supposed to be checking cuts with like you can't be two places at once. Go if anybody can be Justin. That is be. true. Go herping. Go go do stuff. I don't know what you got. Don't 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 be here. This is the non-Texas corner. Yeah, this you're not allowed to come in here. Jesus. I have no power. Uh, whoops, I may have said too much. So, He's listening. He is listening. Good. Um, so let's just <laughs> talk about that kind of stuff. So obviously, um uh first off, I did try to feed my guys this. Uh, yesterday, today, actually, um, I have the clutch of jungles and the clutch of coastals. I did the normal things you would normally go about with trying to feed bi- juvenile or neonate carpet pythons, super hot fuzzies. You, I don't like going for pinkies cause it's too small. Also, there's no nutritional value in a pinky. So super hot. And I got all but two of the coastals out of a clutch of 12 to eat. And I got none of the jungles. So it's, <laughs> it's like, ah, shit. Like, and that happens. So, um, Riley, what is your approach to uh, babies? I, so for me, uh, I like to separate babies as soon as they are out of the egg fully. Mm-hmm. So if I open up an egg box and there's babies in a pile, I start processing each baby one by one. I, 
I have tubs ready. I weigh them. I sex them. I figure out what they are and I put them away uh, individually right away. And then as soon as they start shedding, that's when I start paying attention to their behaviors. And as soon as I start seeing um, at least like half of them starting to look at me funny or like try and bite me and like striking at me, then, then I start paying attention to, you know, how far we are out since their shed. And I don't like to feed sooner than like three and a half weeks before or after their first shed, because they just usually not that hungry. Some of them are, but um, yeah, yeah. Right. I find I get a better result around the three and a half, four week mark. After, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm no watching you. McIntyre. I'm no watching you. McIntyre. <laughs> He's watching so hard he can't type. He can know it. Yeah, I mean, he's watching so hard I should know it. Um, but that's uh, those that that one phrase right there is what lulls me to sleep, Eric. So um, well, now here's a question for you guys: What is the longest that both of you had have had a carpet make you wait before they fed, and and ones that actually go on to be successful adults? Ugh. See, now that's a double-edged question because it's like. In my younger years, I would have tried feeding immediately after they shed. Stupid. The, the snakes need to get hungry. Um, so I use, now I usually give them a week or two after they've shed to offer food. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is that um, I've had snakes. I, I almost refuse to force feed at this point. I will offer multiple different types of food to try to get them to feed on their own. And I'd much rather get them onto something and then have to wean them onto frozen thawed rodents than try force feeding. I think if you, once you start force feeding, certain animals are just going to crash and die. So I can, I will avoid that as much as possible. Um, I've had snakes go a couple months and then they all of a sudden start eating like chick, like a uh, quail, like, chick quail little baby quail heads or feet and then they just start picking up and going i had those two baby carpets last year that i actually got started on fish one did not make it but the other one is now eating frozen thawed adult mice so nice yeah so i i would say there's definitely different ways to skin it um i would say that there's if if we've gone a couple months and the thing's really not taking off you're going to start running into some issues and it can crash fast. Like it can be one of those times you just open the drawer and it's gone. So I'm, Oh, I might first off, I'm Scottish. I'm always perpetually somewhat intoxicated. So it's part of the blood chemistry. It is part of there. I can't help it. So well, yeah, the reason I ask is, and, and that's, it's super interesting. I was looking at the, the Barker book chapters on, on, blackheads and their recommendation is to not even try to offer food until like 10 weeks <laughs> and I, it just blows my mind yeah. well i can i can see that though because i mean i think a lot of people kind of gauge uh snake health on if it's eating and that doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy if it's just because it's eating or it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not healthy if it hasn't eaten so mm-hmm. And I also would yeah. say that I wasted a lot of fucking fuzzies when I when I in my younger years because I would try to offer them food and they'd be like, no. And then like it would take them three, four weeks to get going and I would mm-hmm. burn through fuzzies. And that's mm-hmm. dumb. That's throwing money down the drain. So sure. 
I've gotten borderline lazy with feeding and it's establishing okay. my babies. I, I, the problem with me is, is uh, from a customer standpoint, anyway, mm. is that I'm in in no rush, and so I literally forget that I've got these babies over here that have shed three weeks ago, and I'm not even like thinking about when I'm going to feed them. I'm just like, mm. meh. There's two of them that still haven't, oddly enough, and then like all of these have already shed, but. Um, they kind of just do their own thing. And, uh, what you were saying earlier about, um, if you're force feeding, if I, I don't think I've ever had an animal survive that was at a stage where it was being force fed. Um, I would, the, the exception being anteresia with mouse tails and things like that. Yeah. I, um, I would say that I have had animals survive from force feeding. Um, and it's always been something like, mouse tails or chunks like small mm -hmm. chunks of rat tails mm -hmm. and it's one of those things where um it, like again younger years it would have been like force feed an entire yeah. pinky down and that's not good or what was i had right. that pinky pump thing it was a force feed not assist feed not assist force. feed exactly force feed bad right. assist feed totally good Some, sometimes yeah sometimes the animal just needs the thing yeah like I've, I have had success with an animal that needed me to hold it, mm -hmm. put the rodent in there, kind of pull it backwards, lock it against the teeth and drop and it. Start eating it. Yeah. Some of them don't take that. Some of them, you really got to kind of push it in a little bit mm -hmm. past the first jaw and then they take it. Um, but I, I really don't like putting those animals through that. It's a really yeah. stressful thing. And I've had animals have like so much stress during that, that they, that the rodent goes in and they just die. I would much rather have to drive to some pet store like 45 minutes away to buy a certain something or other that I know they'll eat mm -hmm. than have to force feed or assist feed or anything like that. If they can do it on their own, I can get them what they're eating and that's fine. Like, yeah. and that, and that I think is something that people need to kind of get going with that kind of stuff is that um, be open to offering random weird shit. And mm -hmm. if their snake eats it, just just roll with it. And then when they get bigger, offer them more different stuff. I mean, yeah, first my, step is getting them feeding. Whatever right, it exactly, takes. whatever my, they they need, your animal is going to be a little bit different. The ninety percent of them, I'd say, wouldn't you agree, Owen? Ninety percent of them are like the first offering of rodent, at, you know, type it. of yeah. rodent, and good. But then there's that ten percent that like either needs some more time or like a weird method or it's, a different rodent or a scent. You got to have the different bullets in, in like your gun here. So you mm -hmm. offer the frozen thawed rosen. Okay, that didn't work. Or most of the same, most of them take it. All right, the next time I, when I offer, I'm going to thaw out a chick as well mm -hmm. and start putting chick down on some of the fuzzies. That might get one or two. Okay, mm -hmm. next time I'm going to offer the ones that didn't eat a full, just a chick head that I cut off the chicken. Okay, cool. That might work. If that doesn't work, then we're going to start moving into the weird shit. Like a whole baby button quail or mm -hmm. um, yes, yeah, scenting it with frog scent, gecko sheds. Mm -hmm. um, then we're going to start moving into the weird stuff. Like uh, I, I, that's the one I would really start with live things like this, this, that, and the other thing. Um, and then eventually you end up with fish and stuff like that, where it's the, I don't care, just eat it. And then I'll figure it out afterwards, like stay alive. And then we will figure it out later on. Right. Um, and I would say that, when I was first coming in, there was always the um, 
the fear that your carpet python would be hooked on mice. Yeah. And that was a big thing. And I actually, when, when I first started breeding, my thing was that I will feed up my carpet pythons and get them onto rats as soon as possible. And that will make people want the snake more because now it's already on rats. Mm. Well, the problem is, is that when you feed up snakes that quickly to get to the size of rat, you're not doing them any favors. <laughs> um, and then number two, when you when you're looking at the two options of a rat pinky versus the same size mouse is usually about a fuzzy or a hopper or something like that. The nutritional value between the two, one's a water balloon and one has like bones and all this other stuff. So it really didn't help that anyway. So, I, I mean, I fed up a bunch of babies, but they were pretty chunky little things when they left, but that, that you kind of shy away from that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's, it's almost what's better for, them is to do smaller feedings of smaller prey items and then i say about the age of one one and a half a juvenile carpet will eat anything in front of it so that's when you make the transition over you go from extra large uh mice straight over to small rats done Mm -hmm. so now lucas yes while we're on this discussion what are your fears (laughs) what are your feet because is this is this the first clutch of morelia that you will be doing in terms of at my home and not yes. at a, a facility that i'm not, working not at, at a facility not it's with any my first of, clutch of anything not a staff not people yeah. to help you i'm talking no it it's my first personal clutch of anything um and Nervous. even at the vivarium like I, it was pretty much just like king snakes corn snakes uh children's pythons like no morelia so um, well, well, I don't know. You're like King Snake scores in some easy Andresia. Well, you went over there. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I didn't have to get those on food, but I saw okay. them come out of the eggs. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, well, let's let's just start with this. So, yeah, three gravid brittles. One had its prelay shed. The other two are deep in prelay shed now. Do you have uh, enough baby bins? Like, do you know what's coming? <laughs> like, it is. <laughs> yeah, that that's the look. Okay. <laughs> so, I will I will say, uh, yeah, I was more successful. Well, I mean, they have to have the eggs, and the eggs have to hatch. But yes. assuming things actually go well, yes. it, it was a higher success rate this year than I thought would happen, which is good. Yes, I have one baby rack with. 33 spaces so the answer is no that's one clutch (laughs) dude correct yes so i'm Uh, gonna need i'm gonna need to figure that out and i'm gonna be calling zach as soon as he gets back from the field trip maybe by the time those hatch you can bring some over here well the issue is space the issue that's what that's one clutch so you also have many weeks to correct your problem the issue is also what if there are twins? Like, I mean, like there, there's there could be twins. There could be twins. And honestly, I mean, man, like the the one in that top cage over here, I call her Adele, spelled like the sausage brand, um, not the singer. You know the ones I'm talking about, the pre-cooked sausages. I, so good. Okay, okay. <laughs> Maybe it's a West Coast thing. Anyway, Probably. Eric uh, knows because he probably has to make sure that the Adele you know, trucks are brought into the store. Adele pineapple <laughs> bacons kept me alive during what COVID. The, what is, but it, just what is happening? Go ahead. So <laughs> the, that one there, 
she is like scary pregnant. Like I would not be surprised huge, if right? she dropped like 35 eggs. Well, that's like, the I'm, thing is I'm scared because you should be. <laughs> she, she looks, she's big to begin with. She came big and she is like looking like she's going to burst at the seams for half of her body. And even when I showed Nick that ovulation, Nick was like, oh, God, it's going to be a big clutch. Like, he's like, like even he was like, oh, wow, shit. that's a big swell. <laughs> like, that's that's yeah. bad. That's bad when he's like, oh, shit. Like, oh, now, uh -huh. how big are these girls? Because my female is probably close to seven foot, my big girl. Mm -hmm. And she'll drop into the 30s. My other female is only about six foot, maybe a little bit bigger. And she usually goes into the 20s. Yeah. So, I mean, for sure, I would say at least the hypo head stripes are every bit of seven foot and like 3,500 grams or so. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> the double head is smaller now, a little bit. All right. Which is good. Now, uh, the, the problem is, is that you, your, 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 your egg bins, right? Your lay bins, uh -huh. they're. They look like mine, but I think they're the bigger models because I saw that one bread lie in there. And I'm like, that's a huge ass bit. <laughs> oh, the, is... the lay tubs? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think because uh, I usually yeah. have the um, uh, the five gallon bin is mm -hmm. mine. I think that's what you have on like the first couple ones. Like 20 gallons. Yeah, but the, I'm the, not sure what size no, no, the they first are, but... two are like five. And then that one down the bottom, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like a 10 gallon or something. They're all which... the same size. Okay. Well, I use the tens for my, I use the 10 gallon tough totes for my big girls. <laughs> and then I have the same kind of model that you have, but they're like five gallon or whatever for my other smaller carpets. Yeah. So, it they're, was they're pretty big. It was deceptive. Your female looks small in that <laughs> bin. And I'm like, yeah. oh, maybe she'll go like into the tens or twenties. That is a big animal. <laughs> like, she, she is large. And what's been super cool, and I, I'm like, I nerded out so hard over it, even though it's probably not really a big thing, is that after just leaving that lay box alone for months, you know, I put them in a while ago and yep. they've been using them as hides. They did their dirty deed inside of them where i couldn't see it um but now all of a sudden yesterday she has gotten to a point in her cycle where something triggered inside her where she decided it's time to nest and she like pushed all the moss all over the place she yeeted some out the front door yep. and, and like dug a hole in the back corner and mm -hmm. uh I, I find that fascinating i mean She's she's planning ahead. She's getting ready and she's nesting like a bird. Yeah. And she and she likes where the bin is. Otherwise, she would have started moving that around the place before she started going in there. So now. Yeah, I moved the water dish so that it's closer just to the exit of that bin. And like I because I, I, is if she doesn't throw them all over the place, I'm not taking. Oh, well, OK. Yeah. So an update to my thesis, all I right, had my, like defense with. Justin Julander and Zach and, and the other uh, committee member. And one of the things we decided would probably be a good idea is to try to compare um, babies, AI, MI, but from the same mother. Um, because if we're comparing, say, hmm. Adele's babies up here to one of the other one's babies, they might just be smaller because the other one's smaller. It might have had All nothing right. to do with the incubation. So, New plan is 
I need to be here. Mm-hmm. I need to catch her when she's laying mm-hmm. and try to take some eggs and for artificial and okay. he keeps and wraps what if, I leave. I'm sure you, she'll let you, you catch, do this. <laughs> if you catch her dead in the act, yeah. she will absolutely let you take as many right. as you want. She now, won't even know you're there. If right. you're good about it, if you're That's quiet about it, if you don't move the bin, you and just don't touch her. Yeah. yeah. If you just like, exactly. like think it, of the crane yeah, game at our parade. It's it's very much like a game of operation, but if you touch Mm -hmm. the sides, a very angry mother python is going to bleed you. So yeah, um, that would hurt. That would be an that would that would not be nice. She should be in a trance while she's laying, but yeah, you really don't don't want to disrupt that by touching her at all. Yeah, so I might get a nest camera in there and program it to wake me up if there's motion at night, and I I don't know. I'm I'm getting creative, but that'll give a lot more of an interesting data set, right? Because if there really is differences between the two treatment groups, yeah, that's from the same clutch. Like that says a lot more um, yeah. than if it was differences between two different mothers that, yeah. that difference might've been there anyway. Um, so that's the current plan. But anyway, as much MI as possible, all three of them hopefully will be left at, you know, some portion of their clutch to, to brood. Um, and you're going to be incubating all. Th- so in theory, we're yeah. going to leave some eggs with mom. We're going to take eggs from each mother and artificially incubate them as well. And then compare babies when they hatch. Exactly. And you're going to incubate all the babies in the incubator at the same exact time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Same, same incubator. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, every cool. is hopefully normalized, you know, because the whole idea with this whole thing is, is for it to be, uh, viable to publish in a peer-reviewed journal. So we're, we're trying to do it all like well. <laughs> mm-hmm. but the good thing is that I have two years to make this happen. Like whatever doesn't go right this year, I can correct for next year. So. Right. And I guess it's the, um, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see if there is any difference because then you're going to, you might torpedo the whole thing of, maternal incubation is better or you might confirm it and then i'm fucked so um well it'll it'll just be interesting um you know and maybe they'll both have their strengths in different ways you know better is subjective too you know i would be interested to see which one hatches sooner because i'm (laughs) still waiting on my tiger that's doing maternal to lay her or for her eggs to hatch right and it's hard to check on them because she doesn't want you anywhere near them so how cool yeah. is that going to be if I'm if I can successfully split the clutch? You know, if the ones in the incubator pop on you know day like fifty six, but the ones yeah. with mom go to like sixty four. That's crazy. That is weird. But yeah. also, I wouldn't necessarily call that weird be, or because um, when I didn't plug in my incubator, yeah. those right. eggs still went the distance. It just took several days fast. Um, right. Day sixty, exactly. Exactly. Like, oh, couple, like a week or two. Expected the ones. Am I? You know. Depending right. on how good she is at keeping them warm, but right, and that's the other part. If they did hatch out at the same day, <laughs> it would be weirder if they hatched the same day. That would definitely be so. Weird. But anyway, all that in mind, you know, thesis land aside, there's going to mm. be a bunch of baby brettles if I don't yes. fuck up. Many, yeah. Uh, and eventually, some of them are going to live with Mister Nick because that's our arrangement, um, right? But I'm assuming that I'll want to try to get them all feeding first. 
So, how does fetus Eric <laughs> baby brettles to eat? I mean, I, I would say if Nick's cool with taking as many as Nick wants non-feeding, <laughs> box those suckers up and get them out. Um, I don't, to to him about do, that. Not, do not do anybody's work for them. I mean, if if anybody can get a bread life eating, pretty sure it's Nick. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would say is that, and this is something that Eric and I were, were told like numerous times, bread lie like food, like super freaking hot. Mm-hmm. And they like it larger than you would normally give to a python their size. Right. So if it's a baby bread lie, you immediately start with like a fuzzy, like like big fuzzy. Um, right after the shed. A while. Parents. A while. When I when I do it, like I said, it's usually two, three weeks after the post shed before I even offer. Just because again, I'm not I don't want to waste any fuzzies. And also it some of them bread lie are very skittish and very shy and a lot of them don't tend to eat um frozen thawed right off the bat mm-hmm. uh most of my bread lie the easiest way i've ever gotten them feeding is to offer live food for like two three feedings and then try frozen thawed okay but some bread lie are afraid of the live mouse they're very weird little snakes right. and then after they start rolling, I mean, they're tiny little red assassins in their little bin, but it's the first like couple feedings that they're like, no. And it's like, what? No. <laughs> like, so, um, yeah, it, it's definitely been that weird thing. Um, I would say that the headstone wash were so much harder, um, Interesting. To, get, to get rolling. Um, I don't know why, but like the normal bread lie, like would hit everything that moved and, for the headstone wash, I went and I got them all live hoppers because don't just get live fuzzies. Live fuzzies is stupid. It just sits there and twitches. You need you need movement. You need something darting around and doing all that stuff. So I went and I got some live hoppers and two of them ate out of like 20. And I'm like, cool. Now I have all these. Like, and that's and that's why Owen breeds mice. That's what no, 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 no God, God no. Owen doesn't breed mice because he spent time in a laboratory. God, have you, no. <laughs> have you ever had to result to your your other methods for your bread, bread lie? Never. <laughs> <laughs> no quail. Never, no. never for a bread oh. lie. Okay. It's it's either frozen thawed super hot or live and or nothing. And then eventually they come around and they pick one. They like they pick their lane and then that's it. So, um, it was definitely just one of those things. Um, <laughs> Dr. Beaver, is that, is that Beaver? Oh, he's, he's, he's young and you know, we'll, we'll make him grow a beard at one point, but even then he, he might not him. have the genetics to grow. We'll come in scraggly. We'll come in bad. <laughs> he's, he's, um, he's what we call a het beard list. I'm certainly mm. not as handsome as Justin Bieber. Yeah, he's he's a head beard. Yeah, actually, he might be a visual beard list. Yeah, where did, well, how did we get into this conversation and can we avoid it? <laughs> well, it's Ryan Cox. That's what he does. It's Ryan Cox. Let Ryan in. Ryan does Cox does not need to come into every episode and just you should wreak havoc. Coffee and all the retic talk. <laughs> oh no no no! I'm 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 I'm. There's a debate going on in my house of if I can sell the lone retic that we have in the house and I'm losing it. So, cause I want more room for other things and I'm not allowed to sell it. 
Those retics tend to take some room too, don't they? We have one retic, and yes, she does. <laughs> um, apparently, feeding it bunnies just makes it grow. So, um, but I apparently I I don't know. Nobody told me. So, um, but I would say those are your your things. I've never had to really kind of go into those kind of weird things with red lie. So I think if yeah. you're going to pick, if you're going to pick a Morelia to start at, like a, a, a Morelia to get to start with, when it comes to breeding for your first time, you picked a good one. Um, you yeah. and Scott, I mean, that seems to be, uh, I, I guess we've said numerous times, if I could go back in time, I'd have nothing but cold weather species yeah. of, you know, I, I know that it's been all Aspidites for me on these shows lately, but like brittle is my first love, you know, like it's going to be so cool. I mean, it's, it's going to be weird when you just have one lone bread lie and everything else is blackheads and Womas. And it's going to be like, are you really Centralia? I, we're going to have to change your name. I so. will never drop that low with Brettles. I don't Good. love them any less. I just only so many words can come out of my mouth hole. And, and they all seem to be Aspidites right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, to know. So yeah, so. I guess basically what it, what I'm gathering from this is that everything's going to be okay as long as I can find baby bins. Yes. <laughs> yes. Baby, another baby, baby racks. Yeah. You know, I'm it's sitting there. Uh, last week, if you know who gave me my you know what. Mm. You know. <laughs> and you know which. Um, but it, it's funny because we were talking about it a couple weeks ago where I was going to be screwed, but then uh, <laughs> buddy – <laughs> but buddy francis buddy um brought over a rack i had loaned him uh and set it and we set that up and i already filled it which um uh we are definitely wishing him a speedy recovery yes, yes uh because yes. um buddy did end up having a small uh medical issue but he's a badass enough to that he listened to the episode of student of the serpent before going to the hospital and also cleaned his snakes I think it's a little bit of a lunacy, but you know, whatever. So, but yeah, definitely uh, wishing him a speedy recovery and keeping him in our thoughts. Yeah. The, the worst thing is that he called me and he told me that now I have to say nice things about him on the show because he, you know, nearly died. And I said, I would probably try to choke through it. So that's the best he's going to get. So, <laughs> how many points? <laughs> What was that? How many Morelia points? NPR points? Give him 200. That's enough for like an eraser at the gift shop. Yeah, that's fine. So, but Riley, you and I have done this a little bit. Um, have, what was the weirdest thing you ever heard about as a, a, a tool to use to get a baby feeding? Like scent or something. What was the weirdest thing? Probably your fish. Probably my fish. Really? Maybe. Well, right. I mean, I've heard of geckos, I've heard of lizards, I've heard of tails, I've heard of quail, chick scent, braining, blanching, boiling. I mean, yeah, everything. I mean, the only other thing that I could say that might be as ridiculous as fish is uh, actually a personal experience of mine, and that uh, the solution was a plane flight. Uh, well, all right, now, first off, we, we've had we've had those discussions where people are like, <laughs> they didn't believe me and Eric were like, take it for a car ride. That fucking works. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so two years ago I had, uh, uh, my first clutch of those, uh, F one pop ones hatch out. And there was one stubborn little bastard in the bunch 
that would not eat for like five or six months uh, would spit up assist fed food. Like oh, literally great. that yeah. defiant. Like I was like, you're going to die. Have fun. Bye. <laughs> and then on a whim, I was talking to Jacob Bratz and Justin Smith. And I was like, well, dude, I'm just going to send this to one of you guys. Like give it a shot. Good luck. And Justin was like, all right, I'll do it. Send it to Justin. Mm. And this was during that phase where he was very prominently like, I feed snakes when they show up that day sort of thing. He was doing Sometimes. that just to, just to piss man. people off. Yeah. Because they're like, you shouldn't do it. And he's like, well, I just did. And they're fine. And then it was hilarious. And uh, so this snake shows up. He feeds it that night. It eats. <laughs> and I just like, God damn it. I, I don't have an answer for that. I don't have a biological explanation. I don't have anything in natural history books. I don't have anything geologically, geographically. Uh, there, There is no explanation for that. Sometimes when I get off a flight, I'm hungry. That's why they put restaurants. I mean, yeah, that's restaurant. why they have the Burger King right there. <laughs> it's like, but no, but I, I get what you're saying. And I think that's the same thing that we've debated about with the car ride. It's you're taking the baby out of its bin. You're putting it in a bag. You're driving to a show. You're driving home. You're putting it back in its own goddamn bin where nothing has changed. The water is still the same. The the hide's still the same. Everything smells like it, but it's like, clearly I'm in a new place. That's better. I'll eat now. I don't get it, but sometimes it works. So, and I, and I think, what is it? Chris says the, oh wait. We're uh, talking about Or's brittles. Yeah, Ryan says something about throwing, doing the shake and bake, where you throw the um, baby gray band into a brown paper bag with a pinky, and then you close it up, leave it there. I've heard that for baby rhino rat snakes and other colubrids and stuff too. Um, my the craziest one I've heard is scenting with the water that comes out of a tuna fish can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which you know I, I think again some things might jump on that but it is a very weird thing and i mean i know with my first like i said with my first couple clutches i tried feeding right after they shed and then when they didn't eat i was going crazy so like the next time i was scenting with chicken broth and tuna fish water and all this other crap and it's like you don't have to and um I would say you have a lot more stuff at your disposal like uh, the way i got all the olive pythons to eat last year is i put chick down on the tops of the heads of the fuzzies and that's what did it so uh now we do have a question here from scott Wright. it says is the afores line generally considered to be the most colorful u.s line in the absence of all morphs for bread lie i don't have any afores line (laughs) yeah riley do you riley you don't even have any bread lie luke i do wait you do Shit, that's right. I gave you one. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> All right. I retract my previous statement. Um, but do, you don't have any force, do you? I don't have any, but, but they no tend- one no one here has a force. Okay. <laughs> Doing good. They tend to be a lighter orange. Uh, I have I have heard that yeah, they are brighter, more orange tone, more contrasted. Lazic and price animals, which may or may not even kind of just be the same thing, is like more that yeah. that's the fun thing is when you sit there and you go Lazic and Price, but you're pretty sure that they both lines were established the same year, which means that the animals probably came from the same fucking box. Probably. So it's like, but whatever. I, I would say that my 
all mine are Lazic. Um, so mine are definitely a darker red and uh, can kind of only really get that really kind of bright orange at least maybe one or two times per year when like every once in a while right around breeding season they shed and everybody looks really freaking good or if they're outside in the sunlight mm-hmm. any other time with that they're just kind of like a brick red so yeah yeah it's interesting a lot of the pictures of the like really nice looking of fours kind of look more like what you see of wild brettles with kind of that mm-hmm. lighter peanut mm-hmm. buttery orange tone um, yeah it's, it's interesting they're beautiful uh yeah <laughs> I, it, they they really are, and that's just. I mean, I, I definitely can appreciate any kind of bread lie. So if you if you're on the fence about it, I would say jump on some bread lie. Um, Lucas yeah. will have a shit ton at yeah. some point too that he's going to try to get rid of. So hypos, um, hypos, stripes. Stone well, that that oh, I mean, these are all going to be more projects. So how do you pick your? Um... All right, so are you keeping holdbacks, Lucas? I mean, probably, but no, 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 incorrect. No, incorrect. Try again. I, I have to keep something from my first clutch. That, well, you have to keep 2.2 from each, you dummy. That's what he's, yes. That's the rule. That's the rule. That's Look the rule. My bedroom, sir. <laughs> Sorry, Centralian Exotics. I, yeah, I didn't know. It's not our fault you weren't prepared for what comes next. <laughs> Okay. I'm working on it. As soon as I am able to like rent both rooms in this apartment and the other one's the snake room, then I can expand like crazy. But baby bread layer this big. You're keeping 2.2 of each clutch. Done. Okay. I've decreed. <laughs> so um, right. each clutch. Right. What? I like I think that I would keep stuff from the hypo stripe. Project. I would say yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I don't also- really, uh, hold back stonewash type stuff well the issue is also that you do also have to give nick a certain percentage of stuff as well yeah, so it's gonna be fun that'll exactly. actually that'll help your numbers too by the it way will. Oh, yeah. so actually in that regard given what you have i would say maybe 1.1 1. 1. 1 of 1. each it it depends on what your goals are with morph combinations too and and then obviously what comes out and then yeah 100 percent and I was talking to Nick um, yesterday or two days ago, and and he was laughing because he's like, "You you might produce more brettles than I do." This I, do. Day. I yeah. just kind of tucked that away in the back of my head, and I was like, maybe he'll want to like trade more brettles for cooler shit. <laughs> There's that. There you <laughs> go. Send them. Literally send him everything, but your keep yeah. your holdbacks. Send everything else to him and like, say, Ruffy, I need a I need this. Ruffy, I need this. Blackhead. Yeah. Another blackhead. Dunn's Python. Have some Dunn eye while Python. you're there. I mean, yeah, yeah, come on. You say this now, he'll probably be like, fuck no. Yeah, yeah. And he'll probably yeah. listen to this and be like, Lucas, we're never doing deals again. Well, he, he doesn't listen to the shows. That's I why told I'm you. I said, like, I was about to say, it. Nick doesn't listen. <laughs> If he does, he would have called me several times yelling me about several things. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But, but it, yeah. Um, I, I would say that the decision of choosing animals to hold back mm-hmm. is definitely one of the more difficult things you can do. I know that as far as Brettles morphs go, mm. um, standalone Stonewash is my favorite. But Stonewash okay. is one that just looks great as is you know there's a there's a bit of variability some are nicer than others but 
is there really much that I personally see myself doing with that? Probably not. Whereas with, I'm, you know, asterisk, somebody totally could, somebody absolutely could. But uh, with the hypo stripes, like, I think the reason that striped brettles aren't more popular is because striped brettles are darker than normal brettles. They they do have a lot of black on if them, you, which is more pronounced. Yeah, right. So mixing in that hypo blood, creating what Nick proved last year are like vibrant striped mm-hmm. brettles. Right, right, right. Even with just the fifty percent hypo influence, they glow. Um, and so, kind of refining that, I think, would be really fun. And making the reddest hypoist stripes would be something that would be fun because that is a polygenic. So right. that is something to work on over multiple generations. You should. Uh, you should also definitely. Uh, I think we should recognize the the amazing stonewash stripe that Casey Cannon produced. Yeah, yeah. Did those things. What they did for the stripe was different than what the hypo did. What it what it sort of did was spread out some of that pattern and and squish a little bit of that um, the area where the black pigment tends to dominate. And then it also just went kind of wacky, and it looks like somebody plugged it into an electrical socket. It's so, like wire. It's not a clean right. stripe. Yeah, and I and I I hate to sound like a throw it all together and see what it looks like, but like all three like hypo. Stonewash, stripe, yeah. Maybe mix some A fours blood in there, dude. Like, well, I mean, right. In mind, guys, is I have a pair of 2018 full blood hypo head stonewash coming up. Yeah. So yeah, so it really is going to depend on what you need and what you can it, it negotiate yourself to keep. What I love <laughs> is that there's always one animal in a clutch that you're like you're sitting there, and you're like, I don't need any hypo. Like I don't need any hypo like stonewash or hypo stripe. I don't. I'll. I'll. I'll I don't need that or this other thing. Or even it's the I don't need another stonewash. And then one animal hatches. And you're like, this is the best stonewash I have ever seen. <laughs> <It's> like, no, <Yeah. laughs> like I can't. Yeah. Until we see what little heads pop out of the eggs, it's all just guesswork. Of course. Exactly. And um, the problem. The problem for me is it's always tigers. Where I'm like, I don't need any more tigers. I have oh, two clutches. I have two. I, it's so hard. I yeah. have two clutches of tigers coming, well, and one is. I, I need. I need something from that. Exactly. Well, the one is the one clutch is tiger bred through a tiger check. Okay, I might get one or two tigers out of that that look okay. All right, <laughs> but I'm gonna get a lot of the. I might not even get any. I might get those ones that have the weird broken up stripe. But my other tiger clutch is that one female that when she was coiled around the eggs, if you looked at her, you got dizzy because everything was spinning because uh-huh. she has a stripe that goes all the way down. And my male that is just as good. Now, that clutch, oh. half of it bombed, like all infertiles that just crashed. But I have about five or six eggs that are going the distance. And I'm like, I could use like 2.2 tigers, right? Like I could just keep these <laughs> like and, and then, you hate selling snakes so you can just I, give the rest to your that's the friends. worst problem is that like you know i i hate selling snakes i hate selling snakes like today somebody messaged me with off of morph market and it was just their zip code <laughs> it was just like the how much and i'm like, <sighs> like that <laughs> kills me like come on and i responded with Hi, like, you know, <laughs> shipping is going to be this much. If you want pictures, you can go to my website here. If you have any questions, please let me know. I got no response. That's pretty like, nice. 
like for you yeah it was <laughs> that, that's the way it should be done it i think i was i think my head was i had a head I, you know <laughs> i had to, i had to move railroad ties before that so i think my brain damaged oh boy, more more yeah. to buddha oh my god oh my god more, more. well more. that's yeah well um we we decided the tortoise needs to move outside so the easiest way to do that would be to put up railroad ties to keep them um controlled and i'm thinking railroad ties are like little wood things that you put in your garden um melissa went and got uh repurposed railroad ties those are the freaking pieces of wood that uh you Dude, they're like the, stringers the, the like, trains, in half. Yeah, like the trains go on <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're all they're all used and repurposed so they're all like thick like pressure treated weathered oh, like yeah oh my god and we're setting these things up so that the tortoise can thunderfoot his way around and i have to drill holes in them and we have to put stakes in there so that he can't get out and it's just like and, I, and i'm moving this up the hill and i'm like i think i love you i don't know anymore but you know my snakes never needed like a tree <laughs> in the backyard so but yeah different level well, of I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll take pictures once we're done it's actually looking pretty cool nice so but nice. Mort but fort. anyway love the mort fort it's he's just a adorable tortoise <laughs> so uh but it's definitely one of those things with, with with holdbacks i always end up keeping an animal that i'm pretty sure i didn't need so like this clutch i had of um caramel jag head exanic to um head exanic i got um that's because you tried to have a like. I am doing Mort stuff without you because you kept. Tr you tried to die on me. Hey, you lazy. Oh, yeah, there he is. See, uh, uh, he's a, a flash of life. But um, you missed all the nice things I said about you in the early episode. So it's true, and it's I will true. not repeat them. Right. So he can go back and listen. It's on. It's recorded. No, I'm gonna have an edit. I'm gonna turn a note. Have a note for Eric to edit it. It's just gonna be nothing but beeping noises. So anyway. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I forgot where the hell I was. You were talking about um, your caramel jag head exanic, right? Your head it's, it's like I got I got the babies, and I'm like I need a female exanic jag. Mm -hmm. But then there's some other females that like exanic stuff, and I'm talking like pure blood exanic. It's silver, it's gray. The eyes are freaking white, mm -hmm. and I'm like I could use some more of those. <laughs> like, and that's. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> we don't need yeah. any more. Yeah. So, um, but it's yeah. just one of those things where you, we are all limited by our space. And unless you're going to start selling some of your older adult animals, when the younger ones get up to size, um, you're going to have to let some animals go that you mm -hmm. might not have, or somebody else in your shoes would have kept. So I think the tricky one for me would be, will be if i'm lucky enough to get that double visual right because right in theory if that girl drops i think 16 eggs one of them should be that that's the odd that's odd though and and those can oh yeah yeah there could be none there could be three and <laughs> right in my zebra clutch my zebra jag clutch i got uh one zebra no zebra jags wow three jaguars <laughs> wow yeah you never know but that that one would be where it's tricky for me because mm -hmm. I wouldn't know what I want to do with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that you, would be you know, tough. You mentioned Casey's. I think Casey's got them. Nick made a few. Uh, this, I think this gentleman named Paul Crawford has a few. And that's it. 
<laughs> that's that's the other part of being on the forefront of a morph project is that you also need to take into consideration what the other people who are working with the project are doing and where you're going to be and what the next step is. I mean, Riley, how do you go about choosing holdbacks? Well, I first look at kind of what my initial goal was mm-hmm. for the pairing figure out where my head's at with the offspring and then look at the animals that I have in, in sort of that project already and see if anything that I've produced uh, is going to help me get to the next step mm-hmm. based on what I have and what's already producing and what I've already got growing up. Because at this point I've got several generations of things. So, for example, with my Xanthic tiger stuff, I actually just sold um, a female adult twice proven visual Xanthic coastal to a friend of mine. And and I know, you know, the common sense thing is don't sell something that's producing for you. But the truth is I've got 13 visual Xanthics to the right of me here. I've got 1.2 four and a half year old tiger head Xanax. Mm-hmm. Those females are coming up for this season. I've produced a few things like some visual, you know, Xanax male that I held from last year. I've sold off a couple tiger heads that like were the only stripes that I've produced out of these, because as we know, the Xanax stuff has a lot of uh, Rockhampton in it. So yeah, heavily banded, very little striping. And this recent clutch, I got no striping. Um, which is even less, you know, than the one before, but I got more visuals, but anyway, it's, it's very interesting. That's just a side note, how the polygenics work. But, um, yeah, my, my thoughts are, is like, if my goal is the Xanic tiger, then, you know, what I can do is make some visual Xanic female and males that have tiger blood in them from their parents and then mix that in with the tiger head. So I moved mm-hmm. on that visual female because I've got two tiger head females in the saddle ready to rock this season. And they're going to at least produce some kick ass tigers. And given that I have two of them, odds are good. I'll at least be able to land a pair or two of visual exanic tigers that have nice striping that I can hold back and then keep going with that, keep raising up these visuals, diversify that bloodline a little bit with the two stocks that I have and really fine tune it. But the whole point is, you know, I, I, I had a goal in mind at the beginning. Uh, I acquired some animals and what I did was I held back more than I knew that I needed last year. Mm. Make sure that when this clutch came out and it hatched, that I knew what I could get rid of and not screw myself and shoot myself in the foot uh, based on my goals and, and just, you know, over planning, over holding back. You can always sell something a year later if you help and you don't need it. Like to me, um, if it's a clutch that like, obviously you're splitting clutches with Nick Lucas. So, you know, Yeah, Even if you get a 30 clutch, a 38 clutch, that's only 15 eggs your way. So like, yeah. you know, it's, it's not a ton at that point, but you can still hold back a pair or two. For me, I try to always at least keep back the, the 2.2 nicest of, of, mm-hmm. of a clutch when I can, even if that means selling a male or a pair, you know, a year or two down the line, just to, you know, recoup 
whatever I'm trying to do, or if they're just not cutting the mustard for what I was expecting, or I need space, things like that. There's a lot of reasons, but yeah. Yeah, the, and there's the also thing to do is to find out that you've sold too much when you needed it. Yeah, or something happens and the mail dies and you don't have anything to help and you have to repurchase something to get back into that project. Mm -hmm. Um the other thing I would say is that it never hurts to raise a male to two years old, breed them, and then sell them as a proven breeding male. Yep. Because I mean I've done that before and then you have the genetics and you can move them along. So, um, three or four though. What was that? In the case of brettles, that'd probably be a three or four. Yeah, it would be three or four. Um, but that's again something else you could possibly consider with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's definitely one of those things where I think I find myself more and more holding back animals from, uh, clutches. And then usually about a year is when I start deciding which ones can go and which ones can't and it's weird because you see that you see the group go from like the baby rack to like my juvenile rack and when it does that it goes from like six to three and <laughs> it's like because i decided these other ones don't need to stay and then from the juvie rack they go over to like the 32s and the 41s and every once in a while you see that group of three go to like a group of two and you see these things move in clusters around my room because that's just the where they are. Like all the babies that were in the 32s from about two or three years ago are now in 41s. Mm -hmm. All the babies that were in the 41s are now in my three foot and four foot cages. Mm -hmm. Some of those animals I had to get rid of because it was either that or display some of my older animals. And some of my older animals I did. But it's just something that you need to kind of. It's almost like every year you have a group of animals that you're starting with all over again. And they all kind of grow with each other and you're moving them around your room and your collection and stuff like that. So it's almost like treating it, uh, horse breeders and stuff like that, who do like uh, race horses and stuff like that. They, they have a year stock hmm. and that's, everything is done off of the same year and things like that. So it's kind of going through that. And, uh, it's weird to consider because next year I have four or five females to go next year that have never bred for me before. Um, it's my, my tiger head exanic's going to go and a bunch of them. I'm glad that Riley reminded me about the Rockhampton stuff in the, uh, exanic. Cause I was wondering why my exanic jags were the most banded freaking jags I've ever produced. And I'm like, damn, that's a busy pattern. And they have a lot of saddles, yeah. but it's cause all my other jag stuff has had some hint of tiger blood in it somewhere. Mm -hmm. So, well, that's, that's why I kept the, um, the visual exanthic male that I did out of mm. everything. Cause I've got so many females. I'm like, I'm not worried about it. I'm looking for the right piece, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I kept this visual exanthic male because one, he was one of the few visuals and two, he was the only one that had even a couple sections that were sort of zigzag connected Mm. because of that heavy Rockhampton influence. I, ironically, I don't know, you know, if this is something we want to discuss at all, but like the, the two nicest striped animals were hets. Mm -hmm. So they didn't get that second dose of the visual from the female perhaps. And maybe that's why those ones got the, the head exanic, just one copy of it from the male, as well as that tiger blood. And that's why that tiger was able to shine through. 
I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's all obviously a roll of the dice as far as when the DNA gets all mixed together. Um, but I thought mm-hmm. I would share this photo. Every time somebody says Tiger Blood, too, I just have to say I'm thinking of Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. What, is, what is wrong with both of you? <laughs> I actually <laughs> named this animal Charlie Sheen. <laughs> no, sake. Excellent. Um, that is, that, that's a good-looking exanic, and that's pure coastal, right? Yeah. Damn. See, my exanics look different. I don't know why. That's well, a pretty so, snake. So yeah. here's the thing. Here's the deal. Um, my... <laughs> Exanic animals come from, uh, well, the the tiger stuff comes from Ryan Dumas, and that has Swedish line exanic and red tiger in it and stuff like that. My female that was the one who produced the 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 two clutches for me, the visual came from Todd at Psychotic, uh, and those animals come from Ollie, mm-hmm. and his stock um, was, although in the same year slightly different than what uh paul got yeah and 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 my stuff probably looks different because also i do have caramel mixed in there too i've never produced a pure exanic to exanic the only ones i've produced have been caramel one of those genes dude like have you thought about that yeah that's another one of those genes that really pulls away from the striping i mean that really could be the answer to that yeah i know and that's just one of the things that's driving me insane because i have really nice caramel i i have a bunch of really nice super caramel jags and i'm just like i can't breed you to each other so i'm just kind of trying to figure out what to do with them um which we do have a question here from uh buddy it says uh what do you think is an ideal number of pairs for trying to perfect a morph project I would say it depends on the fucking morph because <laughs> so well okay yeah no that's true like if we're talking well, about right. an incomplete dominant or exactly. a exactly I'm trying to perfect perfect jag you can do that in two two pairs <laughs> like it's well let's unpack it let's just say All that right. there's a new morph on the scene who cares what it's called and it is uh, an incomplete dominant we'll just do that because that tends to make it more challenging because anybody can reproduce it. Right. Right. So that's when you start seeing the, the sliding scale of quality. But um, if you, but we're talking about perfecting it, you could take that incomplete dominant male and breed them to four females, all having different pieces of what you want to do and then take that generation back in on itself. And then, you know, it's right. So exactly, that's exactly my point. You could get the widest variety in right. one generation and really screw yourself or do a really good job depending on what you keep. Really and what depends you define on how it as, goes. Qual- as quality. Yeah, you could really right. screw yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So let's let's you know for let's use like say caramel, but something that has more of an extreme super. So it's like undeniable, right? Right say something like that existed and and you had a genetic representation that because of carpet natural variability and phenotype you got lots of melanin to no melanin to speckling to cleanliness to striping to banding all from one phenotype Mm. it takes the the insight and the the idea of the breeder to to pursue that further because anybody can take a crap gene 
and spend some time with it and do it right and reproduce it and then it's also going to take your first gen females four years your first gen males two years um and then your subsequent holdbacks over those years so so it it really depends on the morph yeah it does depend on the morph it does depend on the morph yeah and you you really you're not going to get anywhere with anything fewer than 2.2 in any reasonable amount of time because if your founding stock is 2.2 you raise those up for four or five years you produce two clutches you raise those up for four or five years. Meanwhile, maybe breeding those other ones one or two more times and you're raising those up by the next time you're producing anything that's related to each other next to one another, you've gone at least eight to 10 years. And that's just the first step. Yeah. I would say if it's a incomplete dominant, you can get by with 2.2. And then as the mode of inheritance becomes harder, the numbers increase. So I would say anything at a polygenic, you're looking at maybe 3.3. So like tigers, if you want to do tigers, right, you need three good looking females and you need three good looking boys because you want to make sure you can plug and play for all that other stuff. Plus the other problem is that if uh, you're going in tigers, you can split it down further. Like if you have hypo tigers here and then you have those like bone white, normal original line tigers here, Mm -hmm. and then you have red tigers here, you can't mix those. You can't, go that so it's going to take a little bit of while there so yeah um the other issue is that i would say if you're going for something polygenic that's going to be even more animals because it's going to take some time to really kind of play around with that so yeah there's um, a lot of genes there's a lot of Sorry, I'm well, recessive. Um, but you're okay. right about yeah. polygenic. polygenic. You were right both times. Of, both yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. There's a, yes. there's a lot of genes at play in a polygenic mutation. So right. you're you're dead on. You need at least. I mean, shit. Keep the whole clutch. You're just gonna have to. I mean, do it with a recessive. You're you're with recessive. You need to say you got a bunch of heads. Say you got two point two heads. Well, now you need to raise up the visuals. Now, if you have the visuals. Yeah you have to wait till they're old enough to start playing with. And then mm-hmm. you you have to then see where you want to take the visuals and Correct. then create more heads. It's like right. if, if I want to take granite IJs and turn them into like these bright orange granite babies, I have to find granites that I really, really like that have really good color. And then I have to find other non-granites to breed them to. And then I have to take the het animals that are visually what I want raise them up and breed them and you don't know what the gene like the granite is going to do to the color like it could be that you make that first breeding and they lose almost all of that orange because genetically it just sucks it away and it it might be harder with that so i would say if you're working with any kind of project expect to keep more of uh, at least more than two one at least 1.1 ain't gonna do it you're gonna have to at least do 2.2 and even then the more you have the less time it's gonna shave off of what you're trying to do sitting downstairs looking around my room i have a shit ton of caramels <laughs> and it's um mostly uh, i have a i think i have three caramel jags right now two males one female I have a normal caramel that's that I'm raised that I'm raising up just because I needed something to breed the jags and stuff too, but then I have another female caramel jag that I'm raising up, and I have a, a super caramel female that I'm raising up as well. Ooh. Not jag, just straight up super caramel. Nice, that's but what I like. 
I do too. I'm starting to get back into all those. Just yeah, more super caramels are sexy as hell. Dude. Yeah, oh, I, 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 dude, I, I, uh, a creme de la creme. Yeah, I really got caramel is yeah to die for. I really a got too caramel? much into oh. the uh, super caramel jags because you lose the pattern. And this one female that I'm growing up, she is literally. I, I mean, she's gold, and then she's got yellow saddles, but her saddles are broken. So it's just like patches of gold, of bright yellow and black speckles on her. That's all her. That's it. And I'm like, okay, beautiful. You can stay here. But then her sister is uh, super caramel. And I'm like, all right, you're badass too. You can stay here too. So it's, that's kind of what you're getting at. But then also I have things like I have a caramel jack head exanic and I have another caramel, I have two female caramel jack head exanics. One that I bred multiple times that uh, Riley helped me get. Mm-hmm. that is she's okay she's not the best representative of a caramel jag mm-hmm. um and also the kids that i'm seeing i'm seeing a lot of exanix i'm seeing a couple caramels i haven't hit the magic thing of a caramel exanic i think the guy i held back last year might be but he's got a shit ton of black on him and it kind of drains out the mm-hmm. caramel color like it's whatever and also i was hoping to get a jag um so i have this other girl from eric that i'm raising up and she will be well but then I also you bleed into other things like I haven't really started a caramel tiger project. Yeah, yeah, that so, was one. That was a project I was hoping to be probably two clutches into at this point right now. And yeah, I mean, you know, I fortune would have it that my uh, my twenty fifteen female caramel died on me right yeah. now. Four years of age. Well and that's we already talked about this. Like I have one caramel tiger that I produced here myself. Um from my first breeding of like a yellow tiger to one of my first caramels. Which you can she's the only one that came out with a stripe out of the entire clutch. Um and that's it's not color. Oh, it sucks. Um yeah. she's <laughs> I mean first her, she's first gen. as far as caramel goes. Yeah. Straight, that's the problem. You can get the color or you can get the stripe. And, and the first gen, you ain't going to get both. Them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm sitting here and I have these really nice caramel jags. And what I've been wanting to do, and then COVID happened, is I wanted my plan was to go to Tinley and I was going to get some caramel tigers from Todd. Mm-hmm. Because then I'm jumping in, I'm plugging in, I'm taking these caramel jags that I have worked really hard to produce and I'm plugging in a caramel tiger. And that's what I wanted to do. A nice caramel tiger at that. Yes, exactly. So uh, luckily I I didn't get out to any of those, any of those shows. um, But I know Eric Kohler has a few. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know there's a couple other people around here that are doing that. So um, I will possibly try to do that. So, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Caramel tigers was, was a big project for me until a few animals passed away unexpectedly and you're you're on an abadora kick right now i don't even <laughs> I hear from you i am so, i was gonna I say am. i haven't had either of those so <laughs> i haven't done that project either <laughs> well you've <laughs> you're the bread lie espadites half of this whole little yes. thing you know i was just thinking about it uh, i'm really excited because every year for the next few years i'm gonna have something knew that I could actually maybe do like next year I could actually maybe do Wilma's 
And the year if, after that will be my know, first year of Blackheads. <laughs> I'm going to be insanely proud of you. Also, it's going to be a huge punch in the dick if I immediately <laughs> send you my Womas and you're like, they're breeding like crazy. Oh, and I have so many eggs. I'll have this girl too, the one on top of my head. Um, so two girls that would be ready next year. Just your boys, mm. a question mark. and The boy is a question mark. And that's just one of the, uh, that's one of the shit kick is that, you know, he's, he, He's bred my female twice. Yeah. First clutch looked great, but all died. I don't know if that was them or me. So it could have been either. Or. When you say um, they look great, like, uh, did you cut them open? <laughs> Are you talking embryos look great or just? No, 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 no. It was just the shell looked great. The eggs okay. themselves looked really good. Okay. But then like they slowly petered off and like then one just kind of like and I never saw any veins when I candled them. Okay. So my money is on that they were those slugs that really wonderful slugs that really hurt you that um look at like really good eggs and then just die. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh and then I didn't get anything out of them last year, and then this year uh eight slugs. Okay, yeah. And they were the and they were the slug slugs, like obvious slugs. So, so well, it presents an interest an interesting situation. I could try to put your boy with this girl to see if he's the problem or if she's the problem. If she's the problem, then <laughs> I have I I intend to gloat horribly uh, to Melissa because there's another woman here that was here because she believed that my male was useless. And that male is <laughs> that we were raising up to replace him. And then I'm finally like, listen, Womas are leaving. So, um, yes, I see. Yeah. So yeah. it, it it would be it would be kind of funny to see, but again, moving him across country might be the kick in the ass that he needs to who produce knows? viable sperm. Yeah. So and who knows? Do you cool your womas? Do you cycle yes. them? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I was. Wondering. I'm very mean to all my snakes come winter. Right. Yeah. Some more than others. Because I could see, like, if people don't, if people don't cool their womas deep enough, I could see that being a problem with sperm production, but. I would agree. I don't know. Um, so, I don't know. When Lucas yeah. set the Walmart on his head. Oh, yeah. No, well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Reading comments. Live, live streams. Listen, Owen is always the problem. Regardless of whatever animal is breeding over here, <laughs> it would be doing much better if it was somewhere else. Owen is completely the problem. Um, you're, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, let's we even look at Nick. I mean... I've sent two males over to Nick in the same year. He's got them to produce clutches. One was the rough scale really? python. Yep. One was the rough scale python. The other one was the Maclots python. Mm -hmm. And 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 the wonderful kick in the pants is that I ended up buying offspring from both. Like it was like <laughs> like I have that new baby Mac, and I'm like, I owned your father. What's wrong with me? Like it, <laughs> this sucks. Like I should really stop doing this. So it's. It is what it is. Um, certain animals are not going to breed for you. Certain ones are. Right. Um, I, I what I mean, what is it? I had the Chinese king rat cycle and lay slugs. And I'm like, you weren't supposed to breed till next year. So yeah. what the hell? I didn't even do anything with them. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's exciting. And, you know, if if your boy turns out to just be a natural blank shooter <laughs> i've got some other boys that i'm really excited the, about I, coming up but it's gonna be hey, a few years you if know. he becomes one of those tease males where all his purpose is to do is to go in there and rile everybody up and then get hooked out of the cage that they have purposes i have 
I have 2.2 team war pythons now because I intend to use the 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 mail that I got from Rob is not too far behind. Uh, I mean, I say that, and he seems like he's not too far behind. And then I actually got a good look at my female and my my adult female today, and I'm like, oh god, she's huge. So um, <laughs> I may not use him. I may not put him in there because I fear for him. But I, it his shed's gonna get tossed in there because that'll piss off my mail. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe that'll maybe that's what they need. So who knows? It could be. It could be. I know Blackhead's combat. Do we know that Wilma's do any of that business? I would say any kind of Python is gonna have some form of combat. I, I haven't just, come it, across that yet for Wilma's. Well, it might not look like combat in the same as uh Morelia. Like a car we all we all think of combat, we think of cobras, we think of carpet pythons where they're all standing straight up and they're all twisting around <laughs> each other. Exactly. <laughs> have you ever tried to combat a jack? No, my jag tried to combat itself. <laughs> I I had a zebra jag and a jungle that I thought was a female. And I put and I also had another jungle that I, I had two jungles that I thought were females. Well, it turned out my normal jungles were 1.1 and my zebra jag was a male. So I put the zebra jag in there and he lays on top of one of the other jungles and Nero's. So he gets lines up and then he flips over. And he's laying on the other jungle on his back. And he's just kind of twitching all over him. And the other jungle male is just kind of laying there. And he's like, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if he didn't feel right, you know, punching this guy or, you know, getting into a fight with somebody who was having a seizure on his back. So, um, and then that's when I pulled them. And I wasn't sure if that's what I was seeing because it just seemed really weird. So I threw the female in with another proven male and they started combating in the traditional sense. So um, it might not look the same. It might just be that they kind of slam each other around or push each other around. Plus I've also um, the, the, the sire to my caramel clutch last year, I put him in with one of my proven males and they hung out in the cage for two months, curled up with each other, all this other stuff nothing happened i put him in with one of my proven females and they locked up and i'm like well that was the problem <laughs> it's like that's why i didn't get any clutch out of you guys it, so it you can't really even say who knows yeah, yeah. there could be scott or, here just said uh combat for sure and that there might be a video on his youtube there you go combating so there's that <laughs> Oh, there you go. So the, the, it's a yeah. Woma combat. All awesome. right. It makes hey. sense. I mean, it'd be weird if Blackheads did it and Womas didn't. That would be odd. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be a little weird. I, I, I have not used combating as much as I think I should have. Mm. And it's something that I would definitely want to get into when it comes to certain other of my animals. Like maybe I'll finally get my one olive male off his ass to start breeding if I piss him off with the other proven male before. Um Diamonds do not combat. Huh. I guess diamonds are just that awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> They're yeah, they just don't give a shit. They're just like, like I'm beautiful. I'm out here in, it's, in it's cold. the south. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to chill. If you want her, that's fine. I'm just going to go over here. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but that's awesome. All right. Very good. Yeah. Riley, you, do you combat at all or no? Uh, I have, yeah, I have. Nice. Uh, I've combated jungles in the past just for shits and giggles, just to see what it would do, and it worked out great. 
Are you um, going to combat the Apodora? <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Comedy. The comedy. Well, I mean, it's... I sent Riley the nastiest shed male of all time, like full skull and crossbones for his brittles. <laughs> oh, oh so really? Bad. Yeah, that room, was nasty. Yeah, my room started bringing fruit flies the next day. Thanks. Well, I, you, you know, you gotta, no, that, gotta, was, that was foul. Um, I tried to yeah, help. It, it it stimulated them, but I don't think I got them cold enough. You know, what's, you know what's hilarious is that um, I found a bag yesterday of madagascar giant hognose sheds that riley sent me in order to get my animals to breed and i'm like oh shit sitting <laughs> <laughs> there fermenting eh, no it was it was just in a sealed bag and i guess you vacuum sealed them i guess they didn't piss on them or anything because it was just a snake shed in a bag mm. and it didn't really smell like anything or anything like that but it was just like Oh yeah, I was supposed to use these to try to entice them to do something, like and like they just did it on their own. So, I some animals might need a push. Others kind of just you get them near each other. Yeah. So yeah, every animal is different. Every animal has its own sort of uh, level of motivation. It seems. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't gone on my soapbox about snake confidence in a while, but I think every individual has its own level of confidence and the more confident the male, um, typically the more you'll, you'll see it though. They'll, they'll be very outward and, and going towards a female and breeding. Um, I've got a Darwin male who seems to lack a lot of confidence and, uh, mm-hmm. it takes a while for him to kind of, you know, try to breed her and he's very shy and easily disturbed. And, and it's just, every year it's just a crapshoot so um yeah. there's just animals that'll breed a rope and there's animals that won't breed with you know the best marvin gay and uh an entire cage full of 20 females you know it, it's it's something where certain animals like you said like we already said will need a push other ones just don't and uh i would say that you're don't ever really kind of ditch a, a breeding male that is one of those easy ones because mm-hmm. um, they're the best switch hitter. Like, you know, oh, my yeah. God, this male sucks. Well, toss in, you know, old faithful yeah. here and he'll mm-hmm. he'll figure it out. So That's why I was um, so excited to find out this last year that my male blackhead is just like, girl, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny when uh, my one buddy who kept monitors his one male uh, black throat would literally um, uh, try to breed any animal that came by. <laughs> so like it's, it's cages on the bottom and like the rhino iguana walked by and it would just, just, express out it's like hemipenes and stuff like that and start just rubbing them on the glass and uh, and if you've ever seen a freaking black throat monitor it looks like a pitcher plant and it's just like <laughs> like what and it's all on the glass and this is a male iguana that's walking by and it's like i dude are you serious like you need to chill <laughs> that's so nasty I, I, dude sometimes you have those boys that are just like don't care i'll i'll try it and it's those are your good breeders <laughs> so <laughs> keep those ones um yeah but all right uh you guys have anything else you want to toss in here or do you want to kind of sh- cut it a little short of the two hours 
Well, did, I mean, we t- we were talking about what we had uh, coming up for the season. Did you want to yeah. wrap up with? I mean, we were talking about Lucas's huge mistake yeah. of three Bradley. Well, yeah, he's doomed anyway. There's no what, mistakes. Doomed. What have Only you? What happy have, accidents. What have you? Do- <laughs> All right, Bob Ross. All right, yeah. What have you doomed yourself with, Riley? Yeah, Riley. Yeah, Riley. <laughs> if that is in um, fact your real name. I haven't doomed myself with anything, although I think I might have doomed some Kribo eggs. Mm. Oh, no. no. I, I'll get four babies no matter what. Explain. Right. Yeah, don't know more. Four <laughs> eggs that are perfect. The rest. Nine eggs that are on some gray scale of looking funky, but I was like candling them the other day. They're all solid. They're not like deflated, but some of them are discolored and just kind of off looking. Hmm. Um, nothing gets thrown out until it gets slimy and smells exactly that's why they're all there nothing's growing mold in any fungus sort of crazy way they all have density and weight to them so they're all stand um, and I've switched up you know the bins and kind of adjusted a few things so I hope I didn't screw that shit up too bad but you know there's also the, the whole unknown of how good were those embryos to begin with uh, it's really difficult to candle a uh, an egg with a crystalline structure around. Yeah, it like I imagine that. that would be a little difficult. Yeah. It's really hard, dude. It's really shitty. I've tried. It's it's tough. Um Shit. and then uh so the the clutch that started my year off was the poplin clutch. Oddly enough, everything but two has shed out of that. And there's just two that are like, no, we just exist. We don't need to shed. No, nah, we're Screw good. you. And, I, and, I have and meanwhile, had, the entire citrus tiger clutch is like shed and uh, ready to go. Like, you know, I so. have had animals feed before their first shed. If like the Me entire cl- if the entire clutch sheds and it's been three weeks and there's still like two or one or two holdouts feed, yep. feed them. And then you know what? It it probably sheds like a week or so after. Yeah, but. that's been my experience. And it was actually the same clutch of pop ones as last time, too. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, so this whole citrus tiger clutch is all shed out by like, oh yeah, they shed out a long time ago. Um, <laughs> they're all sitting there, and and the the poplin clutch is you know a few weeks older. Uh, I guarantee you, this whole exanic coastal clutch will will shed out before those last two poplins. Actually, you want to hear some crazy odds on an exanic clutch? Yeah. So uh, male tiger head exanic to a female visual. So. You know, if we're doing Punnett Square odds, uh, you know, kind of playing with some polygenics with Tiger, basically, what is that? Seventy-five percent should be visual exanic, the rest should be hats, and then right. there should be some smattering of Tiger in there. Mm-hmm. Zero Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like my zebra jet clutch. I'm like, I should get at least one zebra. Jet. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> I think one of I think one baby has a little striping on the neck, and then at best anything else just kind of has a linear oriented dorsal arrangement of spots and patterns. That sucks. Well, so yeah, yeah. so uh, not terribly surprising, given I know how strong and potent that Rockhampton blood is. So yeah. uh, it's kind of interesting to to learn one way or the other. Um. I got my first set of twins, so that was kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. Nice. They both came out to be uh, exanthic males. 
so they're tiny. Um, yeah, they're we. They're I mean. thirteen grams, but they are robust. They are striking at me. They are doing everything else they should. So, in it was fourteen eggs. I got fifteen babies. We're looking at what should happen. Seventy five percent of fourteen. What's that? Like eleven, roughly. Uh, you know, ten to eleven babies mm-hmm. should have been. Yeah, I got thirteen exanics and two heads. Okay, Matt. That. I like the mods, but no tigers. Yeah, it's, it's a little shitty. <laughs> like, w- wild, strong in the in the visual exanic, but weak in the tiger. Which I'm not surprised because in order to make the tiger head, you had to take a tiger cross to exanic. You've already mm-hmm. worked at fifty percent. Put that to an exanic, you're down at twenty five. So, like, I get it, but dude, nothing. Yeah, I mean, and that's unfortunately the problem with polygenic shit is that. Or even just clutches in general, like you just might not get what you're trying to get, even if the odds are really, really good. You might only get one right. or none, and that's you got to play that. Like I might do the same exact pairing next year that zebra jag to that jungle, and I might get five zebra jags. Like mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. it's that roll yeah. of the dice. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and it's weird because like this season I have, I still have a bunch of shit that is still coming out of the incubator, sure, so. Sure. Um, next up is the tiger clutch that's doing maternal incubation. Right on those heels are the hog nose, mm-hmm. the Madagascar hogs. So, after that, very quickly in the beginning of July, is the olives. Oh, then wow. I have two more clutches of carpet pythons. Wow, and we even gotten into that like my Cali King is going to explode with eggs any, any day now. And I have a corn snake or two that's going to lay eggs as well. Wow. <laughs> you know where to send stuff if you need help. Don't worry, uh, we'll be there. Will be many wholesaling because yep. uh, I'm already looking at. I have a shit ton of normals. It just I I didn't get good odds with uh, two of my clutches as far as um, uh, I have a lot of normal animals, and then I also have a lot of normal jaguars and stuff like that. Mm. Like uh, I, I bred the one jungle clutch with the stripe, one jungle with the stripe jungle. I didn't get any stripes, but I got some cool little zigzaggy kind of patterns, which if you breed them to other stripes, you're probably going to get some good well, stripes. There, Yeah, there's something to be said for that in that right. that, that bloodline behind that animal. Mm-hmm. The animal might not express striping. So out of all this exanic stuff, the only thing I might keep is a female visual mm-hmm. that might have some dotting in the stripe oriented. Because although she's not a tiger per se, although I could say but like not really it's 25% <laughs> at best, you know? Right. Um, it's better than what I started with, which was 0% tiger in there. Exactly. So th- they might go for that, but then I also have the zebra jag clutch where I have uh, two coastal jungles, one red zebra, and then I have three jaguars. <laughs> cool. What happened um, to you, Owen? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we love you. We're here for you. Eric, Eric did this to me. He he poison pilled me and did this to me, and I'll have my revenge. I just don't know how. Maybe um, maybe, maybe hey. it was. Maybe we'll look back on this and be like, "Look, nobody knew it, but this was so good for you." Shut <laughs> up. Hey, olive pythons are cool, though. That's that's a good thing. Yeah, those we are, like those. 
Those are 14 uh, yeah. eggs that are going strong, man. And I'm like, cool, shit. I'm about that 14 baby olive pythons like that is. Last season, you moved those pretty quick, though, no? Yeah, but I only had eight. Well, yeah. Dude, olive pythons. Are That's only ass. six more. Nice time. <laughs> Pop ones and olives. Yeah, God. olives are beautiful. Well, I, I, I enjoyed the baby olives last Someday. year. Olives are cool. I, I, and I'm going to enjoy them this year. And I, and I keep laying groundwork with a few people who have stuff that I want. And I'm like, they're like, I don't know. I kind of want to help. So I'm like, I think you do. Mm. I think you do because I want that. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, there you go. Wheel and deal, man. Wheel and deal. That, I think that's what happened with several of my olive pythons. Actually, the striped jungle male this year that bred two of my females uh, was part of a trade. I sent an olive python to Billy Hunt. Mm. And Billy gave me that jungle, and that jungle bred with two females this year. So I'm nice. like, yes, <laughs> <It worked. laughs> yeah, absolutely worth that sale. Yeah, so, that's, the, that's the fun part. Once you once you st- you get past your three year you get past your three year hump of entering the 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 hobby and the breeding, and then you get into breeding and producing, and then you get into your second and third and fourth year, and then you get to the point where you're producing your own stuff from your own animals, and then you yeah. at that point you've realized you've been wheeling and dealing and trading with people. Next thing you know, you've got a whole network of well, I want this, so I'll just yeah. send somebody this, and and the next thing you know, like you can get what you want. Oh yeah, it's well fun. I'm getting I'm getting all the baby carpets at least two feedings, and then I'm contacting several people and being like, I am wholesaling this many animals for this much. Would you like them? And then they're gone because I need to focus on things like the olives, the yeah. Madagascar yeah. hogs, because mm-hmm. God only knows how that's going to go. And these are my trial runs, mm-hmm. so I have. Um, seven baby mad hog eggs, mm-hmm. and, and keeping all of them. Yes, I am. Uh, well, not <laughs> maybe. 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 But that's my trial run because uh, Riley's sending his adults over here. So next year, I want to make sure that I have a good showing of mad hog babies. So I'm talking like I want a clutch from every girl. Um, I better know what the fuck I'm doing <laughs> if I'm gonna have that Same many doing a better mad, job than me. If I'm gonna have that many mad hogs coming down on me, I better make sure that I know what's going on here. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you want uh, do you want some brittles? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. 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 In case no. I forgot, Lucas wasn't here. I have I have one. What did you say, Riley? I said in case anybody forgot, Lucas. Yeah, Lucas here. is still here. Yeah, yeah. Oh. we'll chime yeah. in there. <laughs> I, uh, I actually. I'm trying um, to stay relevant. <laughs> I have one bread life female, my old my 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 proven female, numerous times over. Uh, I'm holding on to her. I sent my other female bread lie on loan because I didn't have anything for her to do. So, uh, but I also have a female stonewash that I've been raising up. Mm-hmm. And I have a male stone wash. So I'm hoping next year she'll have enough size on her to breed. She's definitely old enough, but mm-hmm. she's just been very slow growing. So um, I just sent my stone wash female to my friend's house. Yeah. Because yeah. my, my stone wash didn't have anything to do because I bred him to my one female and I made the head stone washes and they took forever to sell because a lot of people just wanted normal stone wa- normal bread lie as pets. And a few people jumped on the Het Stonewash because they were working on projects. But why buy a 
het stonewash when at this point we were having double hets being produced or straight up stone washes and things like that. So, um, right. yeah, yeah, I will, uh, I don't know. I'm going to wait for the female stone wash to get big enough and then he can breed with her until then. He's just hanging out, hmm. but it's fine. Well, he can... all right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't want your bread lot. <laughs> I'll take, no, I can't take blackheads. God damn it. I have, I need space, oh, guys. Oh, no, he no. Wants black I, no, I can't. I can't do it. Not today. Hmm. <sighs> One day. That's that. It's a crime against yourself to not have a blackhead. Well, I I got the womas because I wanted a blackhead, but I didn't want to deal with blackheads. And then I'm like, I hate these things. But why? <laughs> what is it that you're afraid of? Blackheads are easier to keep. Well, to be honest, I probably would be all about the blackheads now because they would probably plug into my beautiful like Kribo and Blue Beauty and Mad Hog and uh, freaking um, False Water Cobra type of feeding where it's like, here's mm. your bowl of food. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah, that's how I do it for a lot of them. There's a little drop dish. I am trying so freaking hard to train the false water cobra to not freak, <laughs> to not freak the fuck out when i put the, <laughs> put the bowl in there yeah no. hey Lori Lori tarini has successfully target trained a few falsies uh she's doing it with one of not, the other grad students in my, my lab male. <laughs> um, <it> was, <laughs> my female's actually really chill and really kind of shy but my male is a psychopath and the problem is is that because i like like them and i feed them they're starting to get a little large so um they <laughs> made them well, no it's to. not because then it's like it, the problem that comes is that i have multiple animals now that need larger cages that need to go into the bigger bins they need to go in this that, and the other thing and i keep thinking about where the pythons are going to go and stuff like that but then i totally forget that the collier bridge are coming right up on their heels faster Yeah, and your falsies are going to need something bigger than Probably right. 99% of your pythons. Exactly. So eventually the falsies are going to have to go into some sort of six foot cage or something like yeah, that. At least. At yeah. least. So that's a problem because I don't have any room for that unless I want to ditch a pair of olive pythons or a pair of Timor pythons or something like that. So the only thing is to just kind of keep them as small as possible <laughs> until we can get out of here and get to a bigger place. And right. then... And then I can expand. So it's yeah. it's shitty. I We're mean, all playing that game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little space crunch. Well, and mm -hmm. that's the other problem is that like I have the Kribo right now and the Blue Beauties, but then uh, I just moved the Chinese King Rats into bigger cages and they're already growing like weeds. So too many snakes, too many <laughs> large snakes, too many snakes. And yet. Not yes, enough. Not enough. <laughs> That's like I have too many large snakes. Do you want a pair of Argentines? Ooh, like no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Why won't someone stop me? <laughs> like, yeah. Nope. That's the problem. Is I come to you people. I'm like, should I and get I this? Enable and, you. Yep. Yes. That's, it's after nine o'clock, Riley. We're not even allowed to be talking. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Got Sorry. Go. I'm so, down. I'm down the, to go. That's the rule. All right. Well. Is well, there anything else you guys wanted to throw out there, discuss, anything like that? Um, other than uh, in case you all haven't noticed, Carpenter's Coffee didn't happen yesterday. It's because we're moving to Fridays at some point, uh, probably yeah. this week, depending yeah. on 
Eric's return and how that all goes. But are uh, you doing? Are you guys going to start doing Fridays after? Like you guys did like four o'clock or something with that. That's your time. It'll, it'll be a, it'll yeah. be later in the afternoon. Okay. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be four o'clock Western time. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, Pacific yep. Standard. So, so our Aussie brethren will be able to tune in. Our East Coasters will be able to tune in, and I'll get all hopped up on caffeine way later than I need to be. Good. So you guys won't be sleeping. Good. Yeah. So it's you know, and cocktails. There you go. I mean, Eric. I've yeah. seen Eric drink a pot of coffee at midnight and then go to bed. So that's crazy. Yeah. I, I, something I, wrong can, with that boy. I can pound an energy drink <laughs> at like midnight and still pass out. And yet it's I have weird. a cup, I have a cup of coffee, cup of coffee at like five o'clock and I'm up till four in the morning. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't do caffeine. Can't like do that, that, man. 3 PM know, man. Or it's just like, yeah. Then I'm awake and jittery. Yeah. It almost helps me go to sleep better sometimes. It's because you're, Something's wrong with you, man. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's that blood chemistry. It's that blood neon chemistry blood. thing. Something wrong with that. So, yeah. uh, carpets and coffee will be switching around, but we'll keep mm-hmm. everybody uh, talked about that. We'll let everybody know what's mm-hmm. going on with that. NPR, obviously, this is going to be your episode for this week, uh, which probably won't be released onto the podcast till next week when Eric returns. Um, yes, Lucas. I'll throw just one really quick thing out. If yep. uh, if any of the listeners are anticipating. Uh, Walmart or Blackhead clutches this year. Uh, get in contact with me. I'm trying to do some data collection, and I'd love to talk to you. Thank you. That has been a public service announcement. Hey, okay. Yes. <laughs> this is welcome. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is all. <laughs> that is all. Uh, as you were. So um, definitely check that out. Um, uh, this will be the NPR episode. Like I said, for this week, uh, we'll be back to the regularly scheduled programming when Eric is back. Next week, uh, we're obviously going to have an episode talking about the Texas trip. Uh, from what they were telling us during the show, uh, they just found, even though I've yet to see pictures and I'm pissed off, they found a blacktail. Yeah, it sounds like they found an Arizona blacktail. Yeah. And, and they found Western. Western Diamondback. So, right. and that was plenty of horned toads. Yeah. <laughs> who cares about the freaking horned toads? Show me rattlesnakes. Show me, show me snakes that when we show Nipper, he'll cry. <laughs> um, so please don't hurt me. Anyway, um, so niche, uh, niche, 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 niche. Yep. Um, obviously, we're going to be back up with some more episodes of Calibre Corner, of Lucas's show, whatever the hell that's called again. Um, Lucas Palooza. Good enough. Uh, <laughs> Student of the Serpent, as well as all the other shows. If you are, uh, if you are not a Patreon of the channel, uh, uh, subscribe to our Patreon. Please go over there, give it a like, and sign up for the Inland tier, which means you get invited to our monthly uh, YouTube um, private YouTube discussions. So uh, we're now we're going to start doing those. Um, also, there's the Teespring store where you can get all kinds of cool merch, like the shirt that Riley is wearing. The Rogue Reptiles t-shirt, like the shirt that I am wearing, the Morelia shirt. Um, Lucas is not wearing a shirt. He didn't get the memo. So um, I'm wearing a shirt. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus Christ. Um, Dad. Shut up. Um, so you can go check out all those. Um, get all the merch there. Uh, there's NPR stuff, uh, Carpet Fest stuff, EB Morelia, Rogue Reptile stuff. Uh, go purchase those. Um, also, please like and subscribe to the YouTube channel so you'll be alerted to things like the live streams, like what we're doing right now, as well as other cool video footage. Obviously, Eric is taking is getting a 
bunch of footage of his trip to Texas. Um, and we're going to take a bunch of video footage of all the other stuff that's going on. Other yes. unboxing videos are coming that we're going to do when each one of us gets a new snake, which we keep buying because it we're... is the NPR vlog. Yes. Fact. Gluttons for punishment. I actually am going to be filming one on Thursday. Excellent. Ooh. Give me lots of fun things to edit. I will, hopefully will not be bleeding, so, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see uh so yeah that's all we have for everybody tonight so we'll say thanks all for listening and watching and we'll catch everybody back here next week for some more rally python radio good night riley push the button oh yeah <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.